Heavenly Father, truly, we do sense that at times our hearts do wander. And we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are faithful, you are consistent, and you are continual. Help us, Lord, to desire to be the same to you. Speak to our hearts this morning through your word, and we ask this in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I ask you to join me, please, in John chapter 13. This morning we only have four verses, but wow, what a powerful message. John chapter 13. It's actually five verses. For those of you who want to correct me, I'm sure you was thinking, it's like, wait a minute, that's not enough. Rhonda's grinning ear to ear, I tell you what. I knew she would be. But anyway, so as we think about this today, I want you to think about the fact that God has called us to love one another. Jesus has called us to love one another. And uh, this past week we had Judas Iscariot. He was leaving to uh, make the final arrangements to have Jesus arrested and crucified. Uh, Today we're looking at after he has left the the room there, which is what we see in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him, him in himself and glorify him at once. And what I want you to see here is that, number one, that Jesus and God glorified each other, and now we must glorify them as well. We must glorify them as well. Jesus and God glorified each other. We must glorify them as well. And I want you to think about the fact that as we prepare for this Easter season, in light of everything that we've seen lately, I truly hope that we will not just go through the motions as if this was just any other Easter. That we will truly be grateful because this past year has really shown us a lot about our faith. It's really shown us a lot about our love for Jesus Christ and our love for the church. And I can't help but keep uh, thanking you for your faithfulness each week, each Sunday morning, each Wednesday night. Sam and I continually talk about how blessed we are that you are coming on a regular basis and even gave you one of these things. So I just want you to know we, we appreciate that. We have to understand that as this world continues to have its worldliness displayed before us, we have to be faithful in displaying the glory of God. And so in this passage of Scripture, we see that Jesus is talking about him being glorified and God being glorified and each one glorifying each other. And it reminds me of what Jesus prayed in John 17. In verse 4, he says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. You know, for some reason, some people say, well, in Genesis chapter 1, that God acted alone. And then a long time somewhere, he created his spirit and he created Jesus. But the scripture tells us that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been together in unity. There's never been a time in creation past that they weren't already existing. 
And they didn't have what we know as time. And at some point, however you label this, God decides to create the heavens and the earth. And he did it for his glory. And you and I are to be busy showing everyone the glory of God through the way that we speak and the way that we live our lives. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus was about to be arrested, Instead of talking about how bad it was going to be. And listen, we have no idea. I mean, even the movie The Passion was toned down because they knew we couldn't endure that much. But even that movie, as graphic as it was, still could not show you how bad it was for Jesus to take on the wrath of God on our behalf. And yet, in this verse, instead of speaking about what he's about to endure, he's thinking past it. You know, a lot of times we say these four words, this too shall pass. And, and we need to remember that, that whatever we're going through, that God is still on the throne. We will still have the victory through Jesus Christ. And because of that, this too will pass, whatever that is. Jesus was saying, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen. I'm going to be going back to the Father. I'm going to be glorified as I was before the world was even created. When you think about us and how we started, the Apostle Paul said that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, and I love when Paul does that, he gives you this one phrase, and then he just throws in this powerful phrase, but we are justified by his grace as a gift. Oh, friends, as a child of God, and I can't, I can't tell you, I, I tell you every week already, but I'll tell you even more. How can you not be excited about what Jesus Christ is doing for you in spite of all that you and I have done against God. Let Easter not be just another day, but let it truly be a season of truly recognizing the agony that Jesus faced on our behalf. That moment in time that we'll talk about in a few weeks when he was on the cross and the sky grows dark. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that moment that he was experiencing the wrath of God. Why? Because First Corinthians says that he became our sin so that we could become his righteousness. And yet, just as promised, God raised him from the dead showed him off to more than 500 people and then lifted him back up. So you and I must be glorifying God with one mouth. 
in Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live together in such harmony. What? So that you may glorify God with one mouth. The King James Version says, and one mind. That we would come together and have unity. And we'll have that again in a few moments. <coughs> we need to remember that in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. And even if we have to suffer for our faith, Peter says that we should not be ashamed, but we should glorify God in that name. The second thing that I want you to see from these two first verses is the fact that in order to glorify God, number two on your sheet, we must live the G516 lifestyle. G516, it's, it's from Galatians 516. We had this a couple of years ago. And I, and I can't remind you enough of that either. The fact that we are to walk by the Spirit and we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. And then later on in that same chapter, Paul says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, I really am excited about sticking that verse there. Because it not only finishes the thought of the, the G516 lifestyle, but it also leads us to verse 33 in our sheet this morning. In the text, he says, Little children... Yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, because they didn't know better, they were always thinking in the physical sense, and just like the Jews did. In John 7, we see him talking about that you will seek me and you'll not find me. John 8, 21, the same thing. John 12, 8, John 12, 35. He kept talking about you will not be able to come with me. And they're like, well, why can't we? Where are you going on this earth that we can't follow you? But Jesus wasn't talking physically. He was talking spiritually. Just like, for example, when the mother of James and John said, I got a special favor to ask of you. When you get into your kingdom, can you put my boys on both sides of you a special treatment? And he asked these guys, he says, can you drink the same cup that I'm about to drink of? And they didn't know what cup he was talking about. And of course they said yes. But he was talking about the cup of wrath, the cup that he was about to endure on the cross. You know, we read the Bible and we see it from our perspective so often. We don't understand it as much as we would like to and maybe sometimes should because of the spiritual aspect, because we're too busy saying, well, God, I think it should be this way instead. And then in verse 34, a new commandment, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Now, if we stop right there, you're like, wait, time out. How is that a new commandment? But he wasn't done yet. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. When you think about Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. He said in Matthew 5.46, if you love those that love you, what reward do you have? In today's text, Jesus is saying more than just love one another, love your enemy, love your neighbor. He's also saying, love them just as I have loved you. He's giving them a measuring stick. He's saying, you, you say that you love them, but do you love them as much as I love you and what I've done for you and I'm about to do for you? Greater love hath no man to lay down his life for his friend, and then he called his friends. John continued the same idea in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, God sent His Son to pay the sacrificial price that satisfied God on behalf of those He came to save. In 1 John chapter 4, John says, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother who he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment that we heard from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So then in verse 35 of our text this morning, Jesus makes this qualifying statement. By this... By this, what is this? We'll see in just a moment. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And then this is, if you have love for one another. Number three on your sheet, loving one another validates our testimony before others. Loving one another validates our testimony before others. We say that we love each other. But if we are not displaying the love that we're supposed to have in the body of Christ, then we are speaking something differently. In this last year, in addition to COVID and social justice and everything else that's been out there on social media, there has been so much arguing and hate thrown and judgments and, and, and focuses misplaced. I saw this morning as I was getting ready for church a caption that's really been on the news quite a bit lately, but not anything new. The caption said that Beth Moore le left the Southern Baptist Convention as well as some other uh, well-known pastors or uh, other people 
that that may, that may be so. I'm okay with that. My 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 point is this. If we are more concerned about Beth Moore than we are about Jesus Christ, we got a problem. If we're more concerned about anything other than Jesus Christ, we have a problem. And if we are always poking at each other and saying, well, I don't like you because you're not like me. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. You don't act like me. You don't do church like me. If that's our focus, it's not on Jesus Christ. It's on ourselves. We are to be glorifying God with everything that we say, thinking, do. We are not to be tearing down each other. If we are the body of Christ, why should one hand be smacking the other one? Why should one leg be kicking the other one? Why are we trying to hurt ourselves when we are to live as unity? Again, going back to John chapter 17, Jesus says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. He didn't say, keep them in one in their tribes or their languages or their uh, denominations or their groupings, whatever label they want to use. For the body of Christ, let us be one. Let us remember that God's word is the authority. And our opinions and our personalities and our platforms and our stages and our books and our TV shows and broadcasts and whatever else is not the focus. Jesus Christ is the focus. In John 17, 21, again, Jesus prayed that they may be one just as you, Father, and me, and I and you, that they also may be in us so that the world may know that you have sent me. What message are we giving the world if we're bickering with each other? What message are we giving when we are more concerned about our own personalities or our own uh, privileges or our own desires instead of the good for the body of Christ? In this past year, one of the, uh, the gentlemen that I listened to on a pretty much weekly basis said that he has heard from many a pastor who has been fired during this COVID thing because the church was fighting over how to deal with this. Some pastors, according to them, were not taking this as seriously as they should. Some pastors were taking it too serious and going too far with it. And the church wanted to fight and they wanted to bicker and they would tell the pastor, we no longer need your service. People have left churches because they didn't get to do what they wanted to do. People have become, become uh, judgmental and, and calling people names because they didn't respond in the way that they thought this person ought to. But yet Jesus said by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another.
two weeks ago, we had Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. What a true story of love and humility. And he says, I've given you an example. You need to do it. And yet I wonder this morning, how many of us in the body of Christ all across the board are really focused on Jesus Christ more than we are ourselves? Jesus said in 1722 of John, the same thing, that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Now, I want you to look at verse 35 one more time. And notice what he said. He says, you'll be known as my disciples if you love one another. He didn't say you'll be known as my disciples if you can quote scripture. He didn't say you'll be known as my disciple if you can perform miracles. He didn't say you'll be known as my disciple if you can draw a big crowd. You'll be known as my disciple if you love one another as I have loved you. A lot of times we talk about forgiveness, we talk about love, we talk about uh, respect, we talk about all these factors. Do we really mean it through the lens that Jesus gave us in this verse right here? There's a song that says, I love you with the love of the Lord. And someday we may sing that song, but the question is, can we say that with an honest heart that we love each other with the love of the Lord? Or do we say, I love you as long as you agree with me? So how's your heart this morning? Is it truly filled with the love of God? I've heard people say, you know what? I'm so full of the love of God. I just love everybody. And I'll say, well, what about so-and-so? I love everybody, but that fool. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what Jesus is wanting us to say. That we are to love one another as Jesus did. Sometimes Rhonda will ask Nolan, how much does Nana love you? And he gets his arms really big. He says, this big. Well, you know what? You've seen the picture. I've seen the picture. When Jesus was asked, how much do you love us? And he stretched out his arms. He says, this much. That's the measuring stick. How do we stand?
Just go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray that we would take this short passage and truly recognize what all is said in those few words. That we are to glorify you with our hearts, our minds, and our body. And that we are to love and take care of the body of Christ, which obviously belongs to you and will be held accountable for what we do. Give us the ability this day to show our love for one another so that the world may know that you sent Jesus Christ and that you love him and you love us and you have a message that we know is the gospel. And as always, Lord, we pray that anyone who does not know you yet, Father, that you would speak to them, that you would save them, and that you would call them to repentance. And that you would help us as the church to love them and teach them and help them to know who you are and what you expect of us. And Father, we thank you for all of this. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.